0: In a crude laboratory in the basement of his home. Welcome to the Tech Today podcast powered by CEO Raider. It's your host, John Mayetta. Today we have a special guest, a friend and colleague of mine, Raghav Cameron. I've worked with Raghav over the past few years. His company has worked with us. Raghav's firm helped build our Identity Hub application, if you recall, that was a, an insure tech fraud detection product that we built for the insurance industry. And then more recently, his firm has helped us with a couple of different applications on the content side. He's helped us with Tech Today. If many of you read our content, Rago helped facilitate bringing that to market. And then with respect to our fintech platform, CEO Raider, and that whole experience, Rago's team helped. Deliver that to market. Ragab's firm, CloudBloom, they play in broadly defined cloud, artificial intelligence, machine learning, edge computing, on device computing, conversational AI. So, a lot of the material that we cover at Tech today. So, I thought it'd be relevant to have him on the podcast and share a little bit about what, what CloudBloom does. And to also cover what they see in the marketplace today. And we have linked to Cloud Bloom's various social sites and so forth in our show notes if you're interested in learning more about his company. He sort of splits time between India, where services are delivered, and here in the U.S. and in the Northeast, specifically in the Boston area. And here is my conversation with Raghav. Welcome to the Tech Today podcast powered by CEO Raider. It's your host, John Mayetta. With me this morning is a friend of mine who is actually a colleague, Raghav Cameron from Cloud Bloom system. Raghav, he's the founder and CEO of the company. They've done some work for us on our Identity Hub product, which was sold into the insurance industry. And then more recently around some of the content solutions at Tech Today, as well as our our FinTech platform, CEO radar. Raghav, welcome to the Tech Today podcast.
1: Thank you so much, John. Thank you for having me here.
0: So, Raghav, maybe we could start... To kick the podcast off with, you know, when, when you and I first met, you were part of a larger services company. As an entrepreneur, you, you subsequently founded Cloud Bloom. So maybe you could talk about just kind of why you decided to, to start your own firm and then provide an overview of Cloud Bloom.
1: Right. So I think uh, in my experience of uh, working with a lot of different uh, product companies, small to medium size, ranging to enterprises, what we realize that a lot of uh, service companies, uh, tend to focus on working with enterprises and they're a very standard model where they are trying to build resources uh, at a certain rate. and that was something that I felt is not enabling startups to actually become scale-ups and My whole vision of starting this company was to enable uh, startups to a partner who's got a wide variety of experience to actually build products uh, quicker and better. So that was the whole idea with which Cloud Bloom was born, where we wanted to enable small to medium companies who are in the phase of scaling up or getting started to have access uh, to partners who can help them uh, get there quicker. This applies also for some older companies that have been there for uh, quite a while but have never really grown too big and are now looking to expand so these companies never were having access to the big service vendors for cost inhibitions or multiple other reasons so that's how i ended up starting uh, cloud bloom and the whole notion that i saw there was that everybody wants to move to cloud whether it's uh, new products are usually all cloud native they're cloud born so there is some presence on the cloud for most of the startups And older companies that have built products are trying to move to cloud uh, to improve cost, to improve reliability, and multiple other factors. So when we started, our initial focus was all on providing consulting and solutions on the cloud, and hence the name Cloud Bloom. So... We've evolved since then, but predominantly focused on building cloud-native solutions and enabling companies to move to the cloud.
0: So, Raghav, you talked about scale-ups, the term scale-ups. Maybe you could just sort of define for the audience what you mean by a scale-up.
1: Right. So, often a lot of startups... start well they've they, they've got a product rolling for them and then comes a phase where they actually need to scale because their customer base is increasing or they've received an investment and they want to grow the product and they are at that inflection point where they really need to scale their product or or need help to basically grow the next set of features into the products. These are companies I typically call as scale-ups because they're not really in the startup stage anymore or the bootstrap stage anymore, and they're really looking to grow quickly to establish a mark for themselves. So these are the companies that I refer to as uh, as scale-ups, and I believe they they can really take great advantage by partnering with service partners who've got a wide variety of uh, experience across domains that can help them kind of give them a different viewpoint in building their products as well.
0: Now, Raghav, in addition to doing a good job for us, one of the reasons I wanted to have you on was because you, you touch a lot of the areas that are topical today within technology, including broadly defined artificial intelligence, edge computing and so forth. Maybe you could talk a little bit about your services within the context of you know what we're all reading about in the technology press these days.
1: So I think the the one thing that we've been doing is... The, the thing with working with a lot of scale-ups is that there are a lot of solutions that are being built with AI and ML uh, kind of technologies in place. And what I realized is a lot of IoT solutions uh, that we have worked with tend to use uh, some kind of artificial intelligence or, or machine learning to basically churn the data that is being received. We've been working with quite a few companies and the pattern that I'm beginning to see here is that uh, a lot of them started with cloud, had all the intelligence built on cloud, but there were significant disadvantages for certain real-time operations with cloud because there is latency. So as a trend, a lot of cloud service providers have started moving to the edge. And what we are seeing is that uh, we're working with a couple of IoT companies that are actually building solutions on the edge. they have nodes on the edge and they tend to perform basic level of uh, data churn and data analysis at the edge uh, for multiple reasons one uh, security is a concern they don't really want all the data to go as is onto public clouds and two uh, performance is a concern where, where these companies don't want all the data going and and there being a latency for uh, the, the data processing so what we are seeing is a lot of advances are happening in uh, ai and ml on the edge And that's where edge computing is becoming relevant. Both Azure and AWS have launched their solutions around edge computing. And these tend to have a great impact for solutions like uh, facial recognition, for processing certain data that is real time in store. And that's where I see a lot of AI and ML coming in. Now, we've also been working with a few customers on their DevOps and enabling them to basically scale well in terms of infrastructure. And this is another space where we realize that there's a lot of push towards AI-driven DevOps. Cloud, uh, public cloud providers like AWS and Azure themselves are rolling out services that enable you to build predictive scaling or uh, as Azure calls it, VM resiliency. Uh, there is intelligence being provided by public cloud uh, services to improvise on cost where uh, they're building intelligent tiring for data storage and things like that. So I think these are two areas where we're going to see a lot of uh, work being done with with DevOps and ML. We've also been working on building conversational interfaces. And that's another area where there has been significant growth in using AI and ML. And what's happening there is uh, so far your solutions used to be tied to a single Whichever framework that you use, right? neural networks are typically models are typically what we use to build uh, machine learning, but the problem was interoperability between these neural network models. So somebody who's using a Google TensorFlow or somebody who's using Microsoft cognitive toolkit, they build models in this and then it's very difficult to move these models across. And due to that, one thing that we see is happening, there's something called as open neural network exchange that's come in. And that's gaining traction uh, where, where all the AI and ML based learning is actually being, or tried to be done on that. And that provides interoperability. So these are some advances that we are seeing, and this is going to help with all the different conversational interfaces that people build. The third biggest thing when it comes to conversational interfaces, I think is the biggest step Google recently announced where they're moving their Google assistant completely on the edge. So I think that uh, is a big step in terms of building solutions. You would have access to APIs that do not have latency, you don't need the internet, and you would still be able to build conversational interfaces. And what I see uh, with this is that apps on Android would soon start having the ability to connect to a voice interface and actually uh, do cognitive uh, actions just based on voice.
0: Now, with respect to Google moving most of their stuff on the edge at their developer conference, I remember much of what they showed off was was actually on device. Have, have you seen... On-device computing in the enterprise yet, or is that still mostly with uh, consumer-facing applications?
1: I think it's it's right now with consumer-facing applications, but enterprises with respect to IoT is where we are seeing this. So a lot of uh, industries or manufacturing units have a lot of data. They've got a lot of sensors that are actually capturing the data. But their biggest fear has been the the data being moved to public cloud and the security of the data on public cloud. So where I am seeing uh, traction is where uh, these manufacturing companies are partnering with cloud providers to actually build edge solutions and then processing this data on the edge. So Volkswagen recently announced a partnership with AWS where they're actually uh, building this kind of a cloud for the industry. It's it's slow right now in the enterprises, as everything else typically is when, when adoption comes in. Uh, but I do see a pattern where this will pick up traction in the near
0: future. And Raghav, you had mentioned conversational AI. And I, I think Microsoft, at their developer conference last month, talked about, I, I think the number they quoted was approximately... 3,000 new deployments per day of their bot framework. Where are you typically seeing conversational AI deployed? Are those customer-facing type of, of workflows or, or where in the organizations are you seeing those type of applications being deployed?
1: I think the the whole uh, concept of connected and quantified self is where I see a lot of solutions using uh, the conversational AI. So we're working uh, with certain solutions on IoT where Uh, we've enabled conversational AI based actions and automated homes. So so basically everything is conversational in terms of controlling your environment. It hasn't gone through into enterprises and I'm not seeing a lot of penetration of conversational uh, AI in enterprise solutions per se, but the front ending uh, customer solutions for enterprises, for example, customer support, for example, uh, Level one, level two support. These are areas where I'm seeing a lot of enterprises adopt conversational AI and continuously improve their uh, algorithms and intent detection uh, for con- conversations.
0: Raghav, maybe we could just wrap up with with this. A couple of weeks ago, I was on a an AI panel at an industry conference for the insurance industry, IASA, and one of the topics that we we, we covered with the with the audience in a, in a Q&A period was you know, sort of the, the best way to get started with a, a broadly defined artificial intelligence project. And, and the, the, the panel's advice to the group was to start small, but to first to, you know, define the business problem and then sort of understand the, the data that you have to work with, whether it's your own enterprise data or your own enterprise data, plus a combination of third party data and then once you've defined the business problem, once you understand the data, it's just a question of you know the executing and then trial and error. You learn and you learn as you go. Do you have sort of general advice from your experience as it relates to whether it be conversational AI or cloud migration? Is for, for a first time user, some of this may, or rather for a first time client, some of this may seem like a, a daunting task.
1: Absolutely. And I think what you mentioned makes a lot of sense. What we've seen is because of AI being the buzzword, uh, people who don't even need an AI solution tend to just wrap it up and say, we want an AI solution. So defining the business problem, understanding what kind of intelligence you want from the data, understanding what's your data source is, is is a very important first step uh, to identify how your solution is gonna look like. And uh, people, tend to define the solution before they even know what kind of data they're gonna be getting. in. And that's where uh, the problem in my opinion lies that when they actually start spending money on building the solution, there are missing blocks and that basically leads them to nowhere. So it's, it's a solution that's not well built and uh, not thought through. So in my opinion, the first, uh, first problem to be solved before even getting into AI is to define what's the business problem you're trying to solve with this solution, what kind of data is going to be available to you, where is this data going to be coming from, whether it is real-time, whether it is not real-time, all those questions need to be answered first and have a, a, a base ready to then think of what kind of an AI solution can be used. And this is applicable to even conversational interfaces. Uh, sometimes when we ask people what kind of questions can be asked to your bot, there is no clarity. and Right now, we haven't reached a stage where bots tend to give you a broad range of answers. So if your intent is well-defined, if, if you know that these are the kind of things that our bot will be facing, building a conversational interface around that makes a lot more sense than keeping it very broad and very generic.
0: So maybe one maybe one more question before we wrap up because something you just said kicked off another thought that I had, and that's around that you know these these neural networks, these conversational AI applications and bots and so forth. They really are specific to one domain at the moment, aren't they? It's going to be quite some time before we have a an, an AI that has cross domain capability that can make ambient AI a reality and just sort of follow us over the course of our day, isn't it? It, it still takes quite a bit of, of data to train these models and to make them expert at a very narrow domain.
1: Absolutely, and the biggest challenge there that I see is is data, So, which is where I think the whole ONNX uh, standard can actually bring a lot of improvement because let's say Facebook has certain amount of data and they've used their algorithms to build a neural model around it, but that's not data that uh, somebody else can use, right? So. If this open network standard is there, then you can use the work done to build cross-platform applications uh, as well, as long as the user gives permission to access to his data. So we are still far away, but I think there are progresses being made where, where we should start seeing uh, some stuff happening here, right, because even Google has made it, uh, the, the whole move to move the AI assistant on the device What I see next is that apps would be open to use this, which means that each app would code in data, which is again going back, and you could actually control different apps using uh, Voice completely. So that's where I see it going. But uh, yes, it is a little far, but there is movement
0: in that direction. Raghav, anything else before we wrap up? Anything you wanted to cover?
1: I think just a little bit about uh, what we do in terms of uh, at at Cloud Bloom, we started initially as a pure play cloud consulting and and cloud native application development firm. And uh, we've expanded and we're seeing a lot of traction in in e-commerce and in uh, uh, solutions with augmented reality. So that's another area that we're expanding in. And I see a lot of uh, work being done uh, there as well.
0: Ragov, thanks for, for joining the podcast. I will link to Cloud Bloom's uh, various social sites in, in, in the show notes so people will have a, a, a way to quickly find you. Thanks again for joining the podcast.
1: Sounds good. Thanks, John.